bad for novices. Well, it's good to see you here today, and I hope that uh, you're ready to uh, worship the Lord as we have been led into worship by our, our team and the incredible job they have done. It's a blessing uh, to be here today, and it's a blessing that the room is somewhat cool. I know that outside it's going to get extremely hot over the next few weeks. So we need to give thanks that we have AC and that we get to suck that up. Well, if you've been with us, you know we're in the Gospel of John. We're in chapter 13. So if you'll make your way there, we're going to read verses uh, 31 through 35. And you know that we've been talking about the upper room. And in the upper room, we know that Jesus washed the disciples' feet. We know that also that Jesus uh, sent out Judas, who would betray him. And we also know that uh, Jesus is going to give us the idea of how we are to love. And I've just entitled the sermon, Love Like Jesus. Now, it's not that simple because we think about loving and we think about all the things that we do love, but the real important thing that we are to love is God and people. Not things, not homes, not cars, not bank accounts, not all those things that are passing away, but the things that are eternal. And we know that the souls of men are eternal and women, and we also know that the Lord is eternal. And uh, there's a lot of confusion about what real love is, isn't there? I mean, uh, we, we think about the things that we love. Uh, a group of children were asked to define love. And I copied this, and I, I want to share what they said about what love is. Carrie, age five. Love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on shaving cologne and they go out and smell each other. Isn't that sweet? Emily, age eight. This happens when you're first together. Love is when you kiss all the time. Then when you get tired of kissing... You still want to be together, to, to be together, and you talk more. <laughs> That's why I just give you a kiss at nighttime, honey. Karen, age seven. When you love somebody, your eyelashes go up and down, and little stars come out of you. Marianne, age six. Love is when your puppy licks your face even after you have left him alone all day. Lauren, age five. I know my older sister loves me because she gives me all her old clothes and has to go out and buy new ones. The last one, Jessica, age eight. You really shouldn't say, and this is really profound, I love you unless you mean it. Wow. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot and listen to the last words. People forget. The gospel according to John speaks more about love than the other three gospels altogether. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you have the word love used a number of times, but in the gospel of John, you have the word love used 39 times. And it's used more than all of the other gospels uh, combined. 
And the reason being is we need to know that God loves us and we are to love one another. Now, Judas had left the upper room at this time. The passage and the setting is set for those who are left, the 11 uh, disciples, apostles that are left. So stand with me as we read John chapter 13, starting in verse 31, down through verse 35. So when he had gone out, that's Judas, Jesus said, Now, the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, and the reason he said that is because he was going to the cross to die. A new commandment. Here's what I want you to focus on. I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all will know that you are my disciples. How? If you have love for one another. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would have the marks of Christ and people could just simply look at us and know that we are your children based upon our love for others. So Lord, help us to love like Jesus and help us, Father, that we could be identified simply with a glance or a look. And Father, I pray today that you would help us to put aside any malice, any anger, any division, any issues in our life that prohibit us from being all that you have called us to be. In Christ's name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Have you ever been driving in a vehicle, probably on the interstate, and you saw a company vehicle ahead of you that had this on the bumper, how's my driving? How's my driving? Anybody ever seen those? Yeah, I think everybody's probably seen those if you've driven much at all. And, and the question arises, how's my driving? And, and uh, you think, well, you know, that's just on there because... But you know what? Insurance companies tell us that that's very important and that makes a big difference in the people being hired or fired or staying with the company. And, and here's what they say. 70% of the responses are positive. Driving is good. 20% driving, they have a little issue. And maybe one call comes in and, and they just leave that alone. But if more than one call comes in, guess what? Most companies either chastise or fire that person and I think maybe we ought to have a sticker on our forehead that says how's my love how am I doing how am I sharing the 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 love of Christ with others are you noticing that I that I'm a follower of Christ are you noticing that I'm different you know I, I think that would be helpful to us you know you think what what's the symbol of Christianity and you say oh it's a cross or it's a fish uh, no, no, not really. The symbol of Christianity is what John tells us here and what we have in the other Gospels and what we have throughout the New Testament, and it is simply one word, L-O-V-E, love. 
It is how we love one another. That dictates the type of person that we are. Are we a follower of Christ or not? So I want to give you three practical applications and two main points. I'll give the two main points, then the applications. The first main point that I want to share with you is Jesus gave us a definition of love. He gave us a brand new definition of love. And when he gave this new definition of love, the idea of loving your neighbor was not new. I mean, you go back in the Old Testament, you're to love your neighbor, and, and we see that. But Jesus gave this new command that we are to love beyond that person that lives beside us. In fact, in the book of Leviticus, chapter 19, verse 18, he said, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people. Now, who is that talking about? That's talking about the Israelites. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So he's saying, listen, don't have any malice or grudge toward your people, the, the nation of Israel, but also you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. So the Old Testament, it's a book of laws. And as we come to the Old Testament, there are 60, 613 laws, 10 commandments that we are to abide by, but it, it's been spread out. And members of the community, when they read the commandments, they were given the 613, they knew the things that they were supposed to do. And they were to love their neighbor that lived next door to them, and they were to love the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. But the Old Testament also taught the law of retribution. Now, the law of retribution was this. You poke out my eye, I'm going to poke out your eye. Right? You take my hand off, I'm going to take your hand off. You kill my bull, I'm going to kill your bull. That's the law of retribution. And whatever happens, you're going to reciprocate that with taking that particular item or body part from that person. But Jesus took it a lot further than that. He said, basically, listen, uh, it's not the boundaries of, uh, I'm going to take out your tooth because you took out my tooth or vice versa, my eye or your eye. But when he came, he gave a whole new concept of what it meant to be a neighbor. And it wasn't your next door person. But Jesus gives us this story in Luke's gospel in chapter 10. It's called the story of the Good Samaritan. And we probably all know that story. But in that story, he tells this, this incredible story that this man... <clears throat> was going from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he fell among thieves. And when he fell among thieves, what happened was they beat him to death, they robbed him, they took all of his goods, and they left him for dead. And when they did that, then the, the Levitical priest would have the, this, this month that they would work, and then they would, they would go back home. And, 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 and the Levites would work, and they would go back home. There were 24 orders of Levitical priests, and they would make the journey from Jerusalem outside of town down to Jericho and disperse where they were. Well, the first person that comes by happened happens to be a Levite. And the Levite comes, he sees this man, and this is a treacherous road, and he goes over and he takes a look at this man, and I'm thinking, he's probably thinking, well, you know what, I just came from the temple, I don't want to be defiled. This man, if I touch him, I'm going to be defiled because he's almost dead and he's bleeding and I don't want to be defiled. So he goes by on the other side of the road, and he leaves him for dead. Well, not only is the priest and, and the Levite, I, I look at the Levite as the deacon of the church. <laughs> the deacon comes by and he looks and he said, I don't want to get involved. By the way, how often do we say that? I really don't want to get involved. 
That's a little too messy for me. Anybody ever thought that or said that? Yeah, we've all thought that and said that because when you deal with people, guess what? It's messy. Right, Wayne? <laughs> I mean, superintendent of school, you mess with people, guess what? It gets messy. But then the pastor comes. The priest comes. And he comes, and he's like, dude, you took a beating. Good luck. And walks on by. And then Jesus, this was a common story that was told, but Jesus adds a twist. A Samaritan, the hated group from the north. By the way, if you were to go to the West Bank today, guess who's there? Yeah, that's, you know how they're hated by the Israelites and, and the Palestinians? It's the same thing back then, only worse. So, this Samaritan, this hated Samaritan, this half-breed from the northern tribes who had intermarried, comes by, sees this man, kneels down, bandages his wounds, wipes his blood away, puts clothing on him, lifts him up, sets him on his donkey, takes him to the inn, pays the money, and says, I'll be back if it costs more than that, I'll pay. And then Jesus looked at the crowd and he said these words, Now, who was a neighbor to this man? And you know what the response was? They couldn't even say the name Samaritan. They said, that guy. That guy. So according to Jesus' definition, guess what? You know who our neighbors are? Everyone. Everyone. Does that mean the Russians? Yeah. We may not love what people do, but we are to love the people. There's a Baptist church in Fort Worth this past week that's been in the news. And, and, and by the way, if you're here Wednesday night, you know I talked about one man, one woman, monogamous relationships. You know I, t- I talked about how, you know, the, God created male and female. And that's, that's just the way it is. But there are 73 different types of gender now, 72. I don't understand all that. don't agree with all that. But there's a church just outside of Fort Worth. You know what the pastor said? All gay and homosexual people should be lined up and shot in the head. I couldn't even fathom that. That would be like saying, well, all trespassers should be lined up and shot in the head because they're lawbreakers. Do you not know that Jesus came to save us all? Yes. We may not like the actions of people. We may not disagree with the lifestyle, agree with the lifestyles. But listen, Jesus came to save all of us. How many here, before Jesus saved you, were a sinner? How many of you are still a sinner? <laughs> Aren't you thankful that he gave his life's blood that we could experience forgiveness of sins? Amen. 
Because most of us, we don't want to tell how bad we were. We just want people to think how good we are. But Jesus said you're to love your neighbor as yourself. And that's very difficult. The second thing that Jesus said is this. Jesus gave us a new demonstration of love. Within 12 hours of telling these disciples they need to love one another, washing their feet, having the Last Supper, within 12 hours, Jesus will go to the cross. He will be beaten with 39 stripes. He will go to the cross. He will give up his life because he loves us. And Jesus knew every single one of his disciples would scatter that night. They would abandon him. They would run like scared children. Yet, Jesus loved them so much that he was willing to wash their feet to share that last meal, to tell them, listen, here's the last thing that you need to know. Love your neighbor as yourself. When people are dying, you know what? We don't talk about trivial matters. When we want to say something, we say something important, right? I mean, when you're on your deathbed, you're not going to say, well, I wonder if it's going to be sunny tomorrow. What if it's going to rain? No, you say, I love you. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I wish I had done this. Those are the things that we say. But within 12 hours of going to the cross, what did Jesus say? Love your neighbor as yourself. Later in the evening, in John's Gospel, in chapter 15, verse 13, he would say, Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. And that's exactly what he did. And you know what he calls us to do? The very same. He was basically saying, I'm going to demonstrate the depths of my love. I'm going to demonstrate the heights of my love. I'm going to demonstrate the width of my love. I'm going to demonstrate the length of my love. We know John 3.16. All of us know that. But, you know, we need to know 1 John 3.16. By this, we know love. How? Because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. You know what love is in the Bible? It's laying down your life for others. People make a difference in the lives. People make a big mistake with love. And, and the first mistake people make with, with love is, is basically this. They, they say something like this. Well, love is a feeling. Love is a feeling. I mean, you just kind of get all emotional and ooey and gooey. And, and it, we, we say it's an ocean of emotion. It's a quiver in our liver. No, that's not love. That's not love. Emotion is not love. Emotions come and go. If you live by emotion, you're not going to stay in a relationship very long because your emotions are going to change. Every morning when you get up, you look at that man next to you and say, oh, just a perfect guy. It's like, man, your breath stinks. Would you please go shower? You look at your wife and you're like, Whew, put on some makeup, honey. I mean... <laughs> 
You know, you, you, when, when we wake up in the morning, we may not feel so lovey-dovey and that quiver in our liver. We may be like, man, I don't feel like I love you right now. But listen, love produces feelings. I'm not saying that, but I'm telling you, if you live on feelings, it's not going to last. The second mistake that we make concerning love is this. We think it's some uncontrollable force that just grabs us. Well, I just fell out of love with that person. Really? You don't fall out of love. You fall out of trees, right? You, 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 you choose to love that person. Or you say something like that. I just couldn't help it. I fell in love with that person. No, you fall in holes. You don't fall. You choose. We're forced... We're forced to use love. The English word love is just one word. But the incredible thing about the Koine Greek, it's the most expressive language there's ever been in the history of the world. And there are four different words for love. And, 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 and it's interesting, each of these words carry a different connotation because when we think of love, we say, well, I love ice cream, I love my car, I love my house, uh, I love my hair, my new haircut. You know, the, we, we say we love, love, love. I love my new shoes. Uh, you know, I, no, you, you enjoy those. You don't really love those. I mean, guess what? It doesn't matter what you get. You're going to fall out of love with that because it's going to age and it's going to wear out. And you're going to be like, I don't know why I've been like that in the first place. Why did I spend so much money on that? But there's store is the, the first Greek word. And, and, and store means affection. It means I have an affection. It's used... In, in the Bible periodically. And then the word phileo. Phileo is used, uh, and that, that word is like a brotherly love, a Philadelphia, that's the city of brotherly love, and, and it came from uh, phileo. And uh, then there is eros, and eros, and phileo is in the Bible multiple times, and then there, there is eros, and that's a, a romantic type of love, or a sensual type of love, and it was so odious to the writers of Scripture they never placed it in the sweet soil of Scripture because of its connotation. And then there's the word that's used most often in the New Testament. That's called agape. It was a word that was created for the love of God, and that word means charity or deep abiding love. It is unselfish love. It is love that gives regardless of what it receives. And that's the word that's used in our text now with Jesus saying, you're to love your neighbor as yourself. And what we need is agape love. We need to love our neighbors as ourselves. And the greatest definition of agape love we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And it said love, and, and I use the, the TLB by the way, love is very patient and kind. Do you hear me? Patient and kind. How many lack patience? Go ahead and raise your hand. How many lack patience? Yeah. How many aren't always kind? Uh, a little story, this is the side. We had our two grandchildren, the Hodges kids, this past week. And gosh, what a blessing, what a curse. Exhausted. Piper, you tell her to do something. <sighs> okay then or Finn Finn you need to do this huh just deer in the headlights 
And, and, and you have to learn to be patient and kind, right? Because they're little bitty fellows. What you want to do is say, I'm getting a wooden spoon and I'm going to wear you out all the way. Love is patient and kind. Also, it's never jealous or envious. Never boastful or proud. Now listen, never boastful. Too many people are boastful and proud. Never haughty or selfish or rude. I like that word. It's never rude. Love does not demand its own way. It is not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges and will hardly even notice when others do what? Do it wrong. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that, no, no, seriously. You do something wrong and the person that's with you just like, that's okay. I mean, you make a mistake. You ever made a mistake? Yeah. I know Junior hasn't, but Nancy has. <laughs> it's never glad about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. If you love someone, you will be loyal to him or her no matter what the cost. Did you catch that? If you love someone, you will be loyal no matter what the cost. And by the way, love costs something. Amen? Gary, you and Sherry, you've been going up to Columbia over and over and over again. And mainly, Sherry's been taking you because you've had the procedures. Love suffers long and it's kind. Does not envy, boast, or brag, does it? You, it bears all things, hopes all things, endures all things, rejoices in all things. If you love someone, you will be loyal to him no matter what the cost. You will always believe in him, always expect the best of him, and always stand your ground in defending him. Wow. Isn't that wonderful? That's powerful. That's the definition of love. That's how we are to love one another. So if you love that way, that's the way Jesus loves us. And that's how we are to love. We're to practice agape love. Remember, it's not a feeling, it is a choice. Now, three ways to practice agape. So you might want to write these down. If you want to practice it, here's the first thing you need to do. Agape is my choice. I chose these words carefully to be patient with irritating people. Have any irritating people in your life? Hmm. If you don't, I'll send you a few. Years ago, I came across this funny poem, and it goes like this. To dwell above with saints above, oh, we love, oh, that will be glory. But to live below with folks we know, that's another story. <laughs> we all know sweet people, and we all know irritating people. I mean, that's just life. Maybe uh, you've seen this cartoon. It says this. And by the way, where I found this, it was off a refrigerator in a home that the wife had put up for her husband. I've got one nerve left, and you're getting on it. Sometimes those closest to us can be most irritating, amen? 
wife's giving me a bad look. Dr. Dobson said 75% of marriages, their problems would disappear if they would show more patience and more courtesy to each other. Amen. So agape is my choice to be patient with irritating people. Agape, number two, is my choice to show kindness even if it isn't deserved. That's hard. That's hard. Now listen. The Bible says that love is kind. If we only show kindness to those who are kind to us, listen, that's just uh, reciprocity. That, that's, that's not really loving. Our assignment, your assignment this week, okay, your assignment this week is to do this, to be kind to someone who doesn't deserve it. Okay? Be kind to somebody that doesn't deserve it. You pull up, you're pumping fuel in your car, truck, or big rig. And someone that's pumping fuel says something like this. Boy, fuel's just so high, isn't it terrible? Inflation's so bad, isn't it horrible? Yeah, yeah, we can agree with that. But maybe we ought to say something like this. You know what? Life is really good, and we are incredibly blessed. Right? Life is really good, and we are incredibly blessed. How many here? And I can look around the room, and I don't see anybody that's missed too many meals. Some of us have eaten too many meals. But listen, I always say these words. Outlook determines outcome. What you look for, you see. If you look for negativity and uh, criticism and condemnation, then that's how you're going to live your life. But agape is a choice to show kindness even if it isn't deserved. That's what God did. Did you think Jesus went to the cross because we deserved forgiveness? No. He went to the cross because he knew we didn't deserve forgiveness and we couldn't get forgiveness on our own. So he went, bled, died, and gave his life that we could experience forgiveness. Third thing and last. Agape is my choice. Listen, now listen to this. To forgive others even if they don't ask me forgive others even if they don't ask you i mean forgive them why hold yourself hostage and hold them hostage go ahead and just simply forgive move on the bible says that love keeps no record of wrongs matthew chapter 18 tells us in verse 21 and 22, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, <clears throat> Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother? Seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. You know what he's saying? Just keep forgiving. Just keep forgiving. You say, well, wait a minute. They may not deserve it. They may not be authentic. Listen, not your choice to decide what they're thinking. What your desire is is to follow Christ and to experience His love and give them the benefit of the doubt even if they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. 
Now, in this particular story, you might go home and read the rest of it. You and I are characters in this story. You say, well, what's the story? Well, the story was of a king who had a servant that owed him $10 million. And the king called him. He said, you know, you need to pay this debt or I'm going to throw you and your family into jail. And the man drops to his knees and he begs the king, please don't throw me in jail. I don't have the money. Give me more time. And the king had compassion. And what the king did, he said, I'm going to write it off. You're free to go. Well, this man goes out and he finds a servant who owes him 10 bucks. And he says, you pay me now or I'm going to throw you in jail. And the guy says, I don't have it. Give me more time. He said, no, you're going to jail. Well, word gets back to the king what he's done so the king calls him back in and said uh, I understand that you're demanding this payment of 10 bucks from this guy that owes you I'm going to demand the 10 million dollars that you owe me let me cut to the chase here's, here's, here's the emphasis Jesus is the king and we owed a debt that we could not pay he went to the cross and paid that debt for us therefore what little debt someone owes us or what wrong has been done against us we are the people holding that person at bay for 10 bucks release them release them forgive them move on Anybody ever failed you in the past? Maybe you're holding a grudge against them. Maybe you need to say, Lord, forgive me, and I forgive them, and I let it go. Father, help me to be more forgiving, more loving. Help me to love my neighbor. Who's my neighbor? You're all my neighbor. World War II in France. An American soldier was killed in battle. His two friends took his body to the local Catholic church cemetery outside and they asked the priest if they could bury their friend inside the cemetery fence. And the priest asked this question, Is your friend a Catholic? I said, no. So I'm sorry, you'll have to bury them outside of the fence. So they did. The next day they were going to move on, so they wanted to go back and visit the grave before they did. And they went back and they couldn't find the grave. So they asked the priest, we, we can't find our friend's grave. And the priest said these words, in the night I was so convicted by what I had done and what I had said about burying your friend on the outside of the gates, the fence, that I got up last night and I moved the fence. Maybe we need to move the fence, guys. Maybe we need to move the fence. Are you harboring ill will? Let it go. We are to love like Jesus. We're not going to line them up and shoot them in the back of the head. We're going to love them like Jesus. And guess who is the ultimate judge? It's not you. It's not me. It's Jesus. Pray for people to come to know Him 
to experience forgiveness of sin and to be in a relationship with Him because that's all that truly matters. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Today, if you need to come and pray, maybe you've been harboring ill feelings. You say, well, I don't want to come. I don't know that I'm harboring ill feelings. Well, maybe it will spur somebody else to come that's harboring ill feelings as well. Or maybe you just need to come and pray, Lord, make me a more forgiving, kind, compassionate, caring person. Whatever the need, would you come today? If you need to come and give your life to Christ, would you come? you need to come and join this local assembly, would you come? Whatever the need, come today. Let's start a revival. Father in heaven, I pray your will to be done. And Father, I thank you so much that John speaks the words of Jesus about love so often. So Lord, help us to love as you love. Not agree with, but to love. To stand fast for biblical principles, but to love. To love Jesus and to love people and to make a difference for your kingdom eternally. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.